Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. We got talent everywhere in this church. It's great. Listen, turn to somebody right now. Give them the biggest, cheesiest smile you can give them and tell them, pour on the fake. Go ahead. Tell them, pour on the fake this morning. Come on. Tell them there's nothing dysfunctional here. Nothing dysfunctional here, right? Well, listen, last week, last week we made it pretty clear that dysfunction in the family is not a new thing. It's not a modern thing. It's not a recent thing. Um, It's really uh, not something that suddenly came on the scene in the 21st century, the 20th century, or even 19th century. This became a thing in the very first century with the very first family. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and Cain murdered Abel, their children, right, Um, ever since they chose to sin, we've been ushering into dysfunction in our families. And it's just been happening because sin entered the world. And um, dysfunction has been around for a long time, but that doesn't mean it has to stay around in our family. doesn't mean it's got to park there. doesn't have to be something that we live with. It doesn't have to be something that we accept or even concede to. That um, the path out of dysfunction simply begins with doing life God's way. Don't do life alone. We say that around here. Don't do life without Jesus. And listen, do things God's way. Turn to somebody one more time. Just one more time. Tell them, do it God's way. Just do it God's way. Come on. This is the way out of dysfunction. But we must decide to take that way out. And we got to jump into God's plan. Uh, I like watching movies uh, from time to time, and I always like that. I, I know I don't know why this scene seems to happen or reoccur in different movies. But how many of you've ever seen the scene where you know uh, for some reason a group of people go into a cave? There's always a cave, right? And when they go into the cave, I don't know why the entrance always caves in, right? It always fills in with rocks. They can't get out, right? And somebody's got a flashlight, they got a torch, they got matches, whatever, and they start through the cave. They can't go this way. They can't go out the way they came in. So they start through the cave and they're looking for a way out and ultimately most of the time they find rushing water somewhere in the cave and they realize the light bulb comes on right if this comes in it's got to go out and this has to be a way out and what do they have to do they got to dive into the water they got to dive in and swim and let the water take them out and that's really what it is with getting out of dysfunction in our family, we got to dive into what God says to do. We got to dive in what, what um, you know, the pool that He puts us in in Scripture, and say, "Okay, God, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to get out of the cave that I'm in because dysfunction will put you in the cave." Amen. We got to do it His way, and this is exactly what happens this morning with the family that we're going to take a look at in Scripture. All through this series, One Big Happy Family, we're going to take a look at different um, families in Scripture. And sometimes when we look in Scripture, we put a family or a person in Scripture, right? We put them way up here like, man, they're holy. They're awesome. They're, they're, they're amazing. They were perfect. And so much of God's Word is filled with families who really weren't so perfect at all. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. This is exactly what happens with Abram and Sarai. So turn to somebody and tell them one more time. I, I know I told you it was the last time, but I'm just going to do it once more. Turn to somebody and say, because you got to know who we're talking about this morning. Say, Abram and Sarai. All right, Sarai. Abram and Sarai. Um, Abram and Sarai, they end up taking matters into their own hands. And because of a delay with a godly promise, they feel like God's missed it. So they decide they're just going to go ahead and fix it for God. They're going to try to help God out a little. Anybody ever try to help God out a little? I've done that multiple times. Never turns out well, all right? 
And if you don't know who Abram is, he's a very important figure in the Bible. Um, he's a very important person in actually all of history. Because out of Abram, uh, God handpicks Abram, and out of Abram comes a nation. God literally tells him, I'm going to birth a nation out of you. And, and the nation of Israel comes out of his line, out of his lineage. And God keeps that promise, but not before Abram and Sarai get it all messed up. They jack it all up. They get some dysfunction. He's an important guy, right? He's an important guy. He's handpicked by God, literally handpicked by God. But they still suffer dysfunction at home because they kind of insisted on doing some things their way. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. Um, we're going to move along into 13, and, and I'm going to jump you around just a little bit in Genesis. And while you're turning, and maybe if you're listening online, you're turning or going to grab your Bible, I want to pray over God's Word that it just really kind of sinks into our spirit this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today. I God, I thank you for each one in the house. I thank you for each one that's out of the house. I thank you, Lord, for um, those who will hear this message maybe throughout the week. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd move in their heart and spirit, Lord, that they would hear your words. God, that they would hear um, your truth. And God, that it would, Lord, penetrate and pierce their hearts. Lord, that it might um, change lives. And God, that it might do work in the kingdom and, Lord, in people's lives. And Lord, we just give you glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said together. Amen. Genesis 12. Give you plenty of time to get there. First book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and, in all, and you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, by the way, just a little tidbit of information. God is coming to Abram when he is 75 years old right here. So if you think, you think you're retired and you, you're at the end of the line at 75, God was just getting going with Abram, 75 years old. And what God speaks to him, probably a lot of us would like to hear us, it spoke to us, right? If God came to me and said, I want to make a great nation out of you, I'd be like, yes. All right, I don't know what that looks like, but that'd be awesome right? I want to make a great nation. I want to bless you. I want to bless what you put your hands to, what you put your feet to, what you put your mind to. That's what he told him. I want to make your name great. He says, you're going to be famous. People are going to know your name. We're still talking about him today. Uh, you, people are going to know who you are. I, I'm going to bless who you bless, and I'm going to curse who curses you, and, and I'm going to walk with you all along the way. And through you, you're going to be a blessing to others. You're going to be a blessing to other people and to other nations. And, and I think most of us would accept all of that from God. Maybe Maybe not the part to get out of your own country, right, and move. How many want to get out of your country and move? Thank you. Me neither, all right? We are moving, actually, by the way. Dixie and I are moving. We're not going anywhere out of the country. We're just going right across town. So if you're interested in that, we'll tell you about that a little later. But uh, <laughs> literally just going across town. But, 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 you know, Abraham hears these words. And God's telling him, you're going to be great. And this is, and this is a promise. God doesn't, God doesn't just make this promise once to him either. This isn't just a prayer. God speaks this into his spirit. It happens multiple times in Scripture. In Genesis 13, 14, you can jump there. It says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Now, Lot's his nephew. And you got to understand, when Abram left his country, 
Lot, his nephew, went with him. His brother's son went with him, and God had already blessed them. They had herds of animals. Uh, I don't know what all animals they had, but they had big herds. They had, they had people who were working for them. And when they started traveling together to where God was going to take them, there, there wasn't enough room for them to take all the herds together. And the shepherds uh, you know, and their herdsmen, they began to fight with one another. And Lot um, and Abram decided they got to separate ways because the land literally wouldn't contain all the herds. So the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lot goes to the plains of Jordan and Abram towards Canaan. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. He's starting to tell him, I'm going to make you a great nation. Your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants um, also could be numbered. Arise. Walk in the land through its strength and its width, for I give it to you. God comes again and says, north, south, east, and west, I'm just going to expand you. Your, your relatives, your, your, you're going to make a nation, and, and they're going to be like the dust. There's going to be so many of them, you won't even be able to count them. He just keeps coming back to Abram and giving him this promise. He keeps speaking it. But there was a problem in the middle of the promise. There was a difficulty. How many know there's always a problem in the middle of the promise? There was a difficulty in the middle of the promise. Abram's wife was barren. She couldn't have children. She couldn't conceive. And, and, and Abram's trying to get his head around how the God's promise is all going to work out because his wife can't have a child. And, and he starts to struggle with this. And some time has slipped by now. And, and there's a little, you know, that's some years ago. By, and and he, this, you know, the promise that God keeps making to him isn't making a whole lot of sense. It, it's starting to go on field. There starts to be a problem in the middle of the promise. We can get a problem in the middle of the promise. So in Genesis 15, 1, he says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, and I am your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, now you start to hear it in his voice, right, in his words, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. He's coming to God, and he's saying, look, I don't even have an heir. As a matter of fact, I have Eleazar, who's my head servant in my house. He's not blood. He's not family. And that's the only one I can hand anything down to. He's the only one I got to give anything to. What's going on, God, right? So then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards the heaven. He tells him again, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed God, right? He believed the Lord and it accounted to him as righteousness. Over and over again, God reiterates to Abram, I got a promise. I know there's a problem, but I got a promise. I got a promise. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he starts questioning God and God once again encourages him. And he, and he actually believes again. Right? His faith diminished, his faith rises back up again, and he believes God. It, how many know if you believe God, God counts that as righteousness? Do you know that? If you believe what he said, it, it's a little side note. Good thing to learn and pick up on right here. If you believe God, if you believe what God's saying in his written word, if you believe what he's saying in a revelated word that might come to you, that is, God counts that as righteousness. He sees that as something righteous to do. And righteousness in his eyes. Every time God spoke this promise back into Abram's spirit. And I'm sure um, th this promise would revive every time he heard God speak to him one more time. 
But he began, uh, and maybe for even a little while, his faith would begin to increase. It, it would jump up. But he, again, um, maybe for a little while, wouldn't picture his barren wife being frustrated and crying. And, and maybe for a little while, they wouldn't go, uh, go to sleep frustrated. And for a little while, they wouldn't feel this hole in their heart because of this unfulfilled promise. But year after year passes for Abram with this unfulfilled promise. And, and Abram and Sarai, um, their hope begins to diminish. It begins to fade a little bit. How many know that time is not our friend when it comes to a promise? It is not our friend. The longer a promise goes unfulfilled, the easier it is to get to doubt that it's ever going to happen. I, I remember promising Dixie that I would take her on the cruise uh, the first year, the first anniversary of our marriage. This was before we got married. The only thing I forgot to do was check our checkbook. All right. I said, honey, I'll take you on a cruise the first year of our marriage or our first anniversary. Do you know how long? Uh, do you know how long that got deferred? 16 years. All right. I did not look at the checkbook. All right. 16 years left. And I'm thinking, she probably kind of doubted what I had to say. And she's probably thinking, oh, sure, you're going to take me on a cruise. Like that's ever going to happen, right? About year two or three, mm, I don't think it's going to happen. About year seven, she's probably like, forget it, right? Uh, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, but your faith begins to wane. It, it, gets, it gets super easy for our eyes to move from what God's promised us to, to, to what the circumstance is, to the problem, right? We move from the promise to the problem. Our eye goes from one. And a promise can seem so intangible while the problem is so tangible, right? My circumstance can be so front burner while the promise is so back burner a lot of times. I can touch and manipulate and work on the problem or the circumstance, but the promise sometimes is in the background and it seems like it's a blur and it seems like I can hardly see it. And it's this thing. And that's exactly where Abram and Sarai find themselves. Daily living in a circumstance that, that they just can't seem to get past. Staring at, at the circumstance and really vaguely remembering the promise. Barely able to see what God uh, has possible because of all the impossible sitting right in front of them, right? What they've been looking at. And they're waiting on God's promise. And time and delay begins to position them for dysfunction. It really does. Time and delay. They begin to take matters into their own hands. They begin to doubt God. And in Genesis 16, 1, it says this, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years, this is 10 years later, in the land of Canaan. Now listen, before we go any further, look at the words of Sarai. See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Sarai has been waiting so long that she moves from looking at God's promise to blaming God for the problem in the middle of the promise. She's, time and delay has begun to embitter her, and, and she starts to get frustrated, and she starts to blame God. 
She, she was barren from the beginning, but now it's God's fault. And if we start blaming God for the problem in the middle of our promise, we're headed for dysfunction. We really are. And that's exactly where Sarai went. She knows that God's all-powerful, right? She knows that God can do anything. She knows that um, he spoke all things into existence. She knows that if God wills something, it'll take place. And she's thinking in her mind, what, God, why don't you fix this? This is an issue. This is a problem. You made me a promise. Why aren't you fixing this, right? Did you ever do God that way? Did you ever do thinking, God, just fix this thing? You can, right? But you don't seem to be doing it. Anybody ever do that? Come on, let's get real a little bit, right? God, why? Are you, you might not even verbalize it, but you're thinking it. Why is it going across your mind? Why aren't you fixing this, God? Why don't you do something about this, God? What are you waiting for, God? Look, uh, you waiting for Christmas? Well, Christmas wasn't a thing yet. Okay, a am I getting... Bible joke there. All right, I I'm getting... I'm not getting any younger, God. Come on, God, fix the problem. And Sarai blames God. And when you start to blame God, uh, you know, she got to a place where she just said, forget you, God. Forget you. I'll strike out on my own. I'll make things happen my way. I, I thought this through for a little bit. I've had a few decades, or actually a decade to think about this. I, I, I think, I, I got this maid. I've got this Egyptian woman who is a maid, and she's my servant. And I'll just make her my husband's additional wife. She can have a baby and begin to birth children and have a nation. Listen, um, I, I'll fix the problem, God, because you're not doing a darn thing, right? That's what she's thinking. How many know you can do crazy things when you start to blame God about stuff? You can do crazy stuff. We can do weird stuff. When we, when we get weary in the waiting, we can start doing weird things. We can start doing crazy. We get all unhinged about something, and we're weary about the promise, and we got our eyes fixed on the circumstance. You can start doing crazy things. And, and the crazy thing she did, she's like, I'm going to just set my husband up with another wife. How many know that's a little bit crazy? Come on, all right? Yeah, I got to be thinking, is, how could she think this is a good idea? You know, how can this, is this ever going to end well, right? Is this going to go well? I, I just, you know, I, I'm just going to give my husband to another wife. You know, that's, that, that was her answer for this whole thing. And, and she strikes out on her own, and, and she begins to hang her hat on this plan that's just leading up to dysfunction. And, and, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, well, you know, what should have really probably happened here? You know, and I started thinking about Abram a little bit. You know, Abram could have stopped all this. Right? He could have stood up. He could have stepped up and he could have said, You know, uh, are you out of your mind, woman? What are you thinking? You know, this is craziness. And he doesn't do it. He doesn't say it. He just goes along with the whole plan. And, and I get thinking about things like this. I'm thinking, What's going through his head? You know, what, why is he thinking this? That, and maybe he felt the desperation that Sarai felt. Maybe he felt like this has been too long of a delay, and he's starting to feel the desperation. And he's just kind of like, okay, let's go with this. You know, maybe God spoke it to her. I don't know what he was thinking, right? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Sarah, I was just playing crazy mad, all right? And he's like, I'm not, I'm not arguing with anything right now. I'm just not saying a word, right? And all the men said, amen, all right? I'm the only one who said amen. Thanks for leaving me all hanging, okay? All right? Maybe Hagar, maybe he thought Hagar was attractive, and he thought, how, how bad could this end, right? Maybe he wasn't thinking at all. Whatever the reason was, he, he had a lack of backbone here, and this was a really bad idea. And he'd pay the price for the dysfunction over and over. If you start blaming God instead of trusting him in the delay, 
If we start doing it, if, if, we, if the problem gets too big and our eyes are on the problem in the middle of the promise, if you, you, you got to keep your eyes, you got to move your eyes. You got to shift your eyes to the promise and away from the problem because you'll start doing crazy things in the wait. You'll start getting crazy ideas. Keep your eye on the promise. Keep your eye on the promiser and what he had to say and, and don't move off of that. Can I give you a good tip right now? Wherever your eyes go, that's where your body follows. Do you know that? If you're walking, nobody walks with their head turned backwards. Nobody drives your car with your head looking out the side window. Not for any length of time because you won't be driving. You'll be crashing. All right? You don't do that. Where your eyes go, where your eyes fix, that's where you walk. And if you need your eyes fixed, you fix them on the promise. You fix them on the promiser. Don't fix them on the circumstance. Don't fix them on the delay. The promise, the hope, and the answer is in Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed there. Don't fixate on the delay. Don't stare at the problem in the middle of the promise, right? Uh, and I know, I know that's hard because I may know a, a problem in, in the middle of the promise looks like a black do, big black dot right on the middle of white carpet, right? What do you do if you walk in and it's all white carpet and there's a black dot right there? Your eyes go right to it, right? You, you stare at that thing. Some of you just drive you crazy. You're like, where's, where's the shout? I got to get it out, right? I got to do it. I got to do it. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. Because you're setting yourself up for the dysfunction. Sarai blames God. She takes matters into her own, her own hands. She decides, if God won't give me a child, I'm going to give my husband another wife, my Egyptian servant, Hagar. Verse 16.4 says this. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. He did what she said. He goes in. She, and she, ends, up having, uh, she ends up becoming pregnant. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress, mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my child into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. And the Lord's judge between me or you and me. Hey, this is going well, right? One big happy family. <laughs> Hagar's pregnant. Sarai's jealous. Strife and hate are rising up. Sarai's blaming God at first. Now she's blaming her husband, right? Because now it's Abram's fault in this scripture. He's got, there's one husband, two wives, one pregnant, right? And all of them are mad, right? All of them are upset. All of them are unhappy. And once again, you know, we go into verse six here. Once again, Abram does a stellar job of avoiding the whole thing. Listen to what it says in verse six. So now listen, listen, this is, he's a very important, are we starting to see the real thing here, right? Real family here. In, in 6, it says this. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. <laughs> He's like, I'm washing my hands. It's a whole deal, right? Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her presence. What a mess. A Abram washes his hands of it because Sarai's wife's all upset. Sarai goes off on Hagar. He, she starts treating Hagar terrible. Uh, you know, and in her frustration, Hagar runs away. She leaves. So now Abram's got one wife at home who's mad, and he's got his pregnant wife on the run, a second one. And he's got to go try to find her, right? I'm sure the whole neighborhood was talking about this. I'm sure there was a lot of discussion going down. This was not a, a clean up on aisle three kind of dysfunction, all right? This was serious business. Hagar runs away, and God, uh, God begins to intervene on Hagar and the baby's behalf. Aren't you glad that God intervenes in our dysfunction? 
Aren't you glad that God gets in the middle of the problem and the promise? I'm so glad God just doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. And he sends an angel to Hagar in the wilderness. It says this, Hagar's run away. She's pregnant. She's, she's ran away because she's being basically abused from Sarai. And it says this, now the angel of the Lord found her, which is Hagar, by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man against uh, every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Abraham and Sarai's promise now becomes Hagar's promise as well, and her son is going to become a nation as well because of Abram. Fifteen says this: So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. I'm thinking, brother, that's too old for this kind of drama. (laughs) Come on, man. 86 years old. But this should tell us something. As we read about some of this dysfunction in this family, God never abandons us in the middle of his promise, and he never abandons us in the middle of our dysfunction. He really doesn't. He doesn't walk away from us. He doesn't, he doesn't slide off to the side. He doesn't wash his hands of us. He doesn't. He didn't, abandon, he didn't abandon anybody. He didn't abandon Abram and Sarai and their dysfunction. He didn't abandon Hagar. And she got pulled into this whole mess. She was kind of innocent in this, in this whole deal. She got pulled into all the abuse and, and the frustration and being tied into this family. God didn't abandon any of them. God doesn't leave us when things get gets messed up. He steps into our dysfunction, right? And he doesn't let us alone in that. He walks with us, and he just kept walking them through. And if you come up to Genesis 17, it, it says this. When Abram was 99, say 99, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. God spoke to him one more time. And God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram for you. Your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God uh, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God never left him in the middle of the dysfunction. Abraham has a son named Ishmael to Hagar, and then he has a son, another son named Isaac to Sarai when he is 100 years old, the promised son. Each of these boys would become a nation. From the line of Isaac, you'll find the nation of Israel. 
the Jewish people from the line of Ishmael. There'll be 12 tribes from both, and there'll be an Arabic line from Ishmael. And God fulfills his word. And what am I saying to you today? And I'm going to ask if the, if the praise team would come. What am I saying to you today? If you're saved, if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, you have a promise. You know that? Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're saved, if you know Jesus is Lord, if he's Lord of your life, if he's Savior, you have a promise. Every one of us that know Jesus is Lord and Savior, we have this promise. God one day is going to take us to a place where it's, listen, where all the dysfunction is going to be over with. And God's going to set all things straight. But you've got this promise even while you're here that he'll walk you through the dysfunction. There's not a family in this house that doesn't have some dysfunction down through the line somewhere. Some of us more than others, right? But there's dysfunction, right? There's dysfunction. You probably some, you could name some of the dysfunction, right? You could call them out by name. There's dysfunction. But God never leaves us. And if we come to Christ, if we know him as Lord and Savior, sin doesn't have to ravage us. Dysfunction doesn't have to define us. It does not have to define our family. It does not have to determine our family tree and where the branches go out from there. It really doesn't. It doesn't have to control our lives in any kind of way. If we keep our eyes on the promise and on the promiser, instead of the problem in the middle of the dysfunction or in the middle of the, the promise itself, keep your eyes on him. And he'll begin to walk you out. The word of God says that he never leaves us or forsakes us. If you're here this morning and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, you need to know that there's a Savior and there's a Lord. I don't care how much dysfunction you have in your background, where your family's been or not been, what, what kind of circumstances you step out of. God is here and he wants you. Jesus paid a big price for you to have God walk with you in the middle of that and to start stepping you out of the dysfunction, to start walking you towards him. The word of God says all that you have to do. Remember at the beginning we talked about believing? The Word of God says if you believe in your heart, right? If you believe in your heart that He is Lord, if you confess that you're, you're a sinner, if you recognize that, that you're in sin and you're lost without Him and you need Him and, and, and you, you believe that in your spirit, that's considered righteousness. The Word of God says that you will be saved, that God will connect with you and you with Him. So if that's you this morning, if you're listening here, if you're listening online, all you have to do is just say, Lord, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, we're going to pray in a minute. I, I come to you right now and I confess, Lord, that I need you. I got dysfunction in my life. I got dysfunction in my family. And I need you. I need you to heal me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to walk with me. And I need you to help me step through this mess. Just like you did, Abram, and Sarah. Just like he promised them, he'll promise you. That's how it is in Jesus. You got a promise, amen? It's true. Some of you who do know Jesus, you may have your eye, you might have your eyes fixed. You might have your eyes fixed on the problem in the middle of the promise. You'll start doing weird things, I'm telling you. You'll start stepping out beyond what God says. You'll start reading into things. You'll start even reading into what he said to you. You'll start making it up as you go, right? It's true. So I, wanna, I want us to bow our heads. I want us to pray. I want you to think, listen, I want you to think about dysfunction in your family. I want you to turn it over to him. I want you to realize you got a promise in him. Amen? 
Just go ahead and bow your heads. Begin to pray amongst yourselves. I'm going to pray first for those who want to know Jesus, who want to come in, who want someone to walk with them by, beside them in their dysfunction. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, there's some in the house, God. There's some outside of the house that may not know you as personal Lord and Savior. They didn't even know they could be in relationship with you. They didn't even know that you would walk with them and help them through, out, through and out of the dysfunction. So, Lord, if there's one in the house today, Lord God, I pray that they begin to believe in their heart. And, Lord, they just confess before you, Lord, that they need a Savior. They need a Lord. They need someone who's going to pull them out of this hell that they're in. And, God, Lord, they'll help them walk out of this dysfunction. And, Lord, they begin to believe, Jesus, that you are who you said you are, that you paid the price for them to come into relationship with God. And, Lord, I pray they begin to believe that. Lord, I pray they just pray a simple prayer. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Lord God, I want to I wanna be in relationship with you. I want to know what it is to walk out of dysfunction. And God, for those who are in the house that know you, God, help us to examine ourselves. God, do I got my eyes fixed on the circumstance in the middle of the pro promise? Or do I got my eyes fixed on the promiser and the promise? God, we walk where our eyes are fixed. When we place our eyes on Lord, we will walk right straight towards that. Lord, I ask right now, God, that you touch each one in the house, each one that's listening online. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.